0: For epilepsy, there is hope. Hey podcast listeners, Tori Robinson here for Epilepsy Sparks Insights, a podcast about epilepsy, epilepsy research, common comorbidities, and all of the fascinating science behind it. Whether you have epilepsy, are a family member, a neurologist, neuropsychiatrist, therapist, neurophysiologist, scientist, or researcher, Epilepsy Sparks Insights is designed to help you learn more about epilepsy from the other side of the table. I'm a person with epilepsy and some missing brain tissue. I hope to help bridge the unnecessary gap between patients, the public and the aforementioned. Because epilepsy research and science are cool. Last week, we had a great chat with Professor Sandor Benixi, a global leader in neurophysiology, epileptology and neurology from Aarhus University and the Danish Epilepsy Centre. This week we are talking to Simon Keller, Professor of Neuroimaging and Neuroscience in the Institute of Systems, Molecular and Integrative Biology or ISMIB, and Director of the Brain Research Using Advanced Imaging in Neurology, or a cool acronym, BRAIN, Lab, at the University of Liverpool. If you are new to this channel, do make sure that you subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. This is a weekly podcast slash video do not go anywhere stay with us today i would like to introduce you to dr simon keller who's from the university of liverpool and does really really exciting neuroimaging into epilepsy he's like, he's one of the cool people that brings up
1: like all those colorful pictures of brains simon tell us about yourself i'm a neuroimager um what does that mean in english A neuroimager means someone who is using um brain scans of some description typically mri magnetic resonance imaging um to, uh, to to look at the brain how it's structured how it functions um and how the structure and function can change in in uh, in response to injury or disease or disorders we're trying to get as much information for each patient as possible just to try and figure out what's going on and how we can predict for example, whether someone will develop epilepsy in the first instance, whether that patient will respond well to drugs or not, or whether they will respond well to surgery or not. And that's mainly the area I'm mostly interested in, is to try to predict something for, for a, a patient's outcome. So it's really clinically applicable.
0: So tell us what got you into, into epilepsy and the research that you're doing. Why are you so passionate about it?
1: Um, well, well, it's a good question. I think it that my interest in the brain all started with my nan who had a stroke um and I, I she had three strokes actually and I became fascinated by how she had what we call unilateral impairments so when you have damage on one side of the brain it can affect the actions on the other side of the body and for example her writing and a speech was really affected and uh, so i became really interested in the brain at that level and then i did a master's degree in neuroscience and it was the project the research project in the neuroscience degree that gave me my first exposure of epilepsy mm. yeah i i um i had a, a bunch of brain scans um, to analyze but also had the opportunity to go to patients' houses um, right across North Wales and uh, and Merseyside uh, and uh, assess patients in their own homes on various language abilities and and um, I started talking to more and more patients um, and then I was hooked. It was from definitely from a patient angle and then I managed to, have to do a PhD in patient orientated clinical research in epilepsy and never looked back really so it was it was kind of that project that in the masters degree that changed everything
0: how interesting yeah. see everyone know that you know people who are in research generally speaking have a real passion for helping patients and effectively families and society but directly patients because it's not something you have to have i think that passion to continue
1: that's the thing that, that drives us all. I think whether you're a clinician or a, a non-clinical researcher, you're there uh, because of the love of the job and, and the, the impact it can make. In fact, I've, I don't think I've ever met another PI, a principal investigator who doesn't love their, their work.
0: What do you do actually doing your job in layman's terms? Like you, you said like you do like lots of scans to, and like what the overview is, but what, what do you do for instance day to day?
1: Day-to-day, well, it's, it's really multifaceted. There's, there's lots of different things we do. Um, we People like myself want to do as much research as we can, but things get in the way, um, like administration. And right. We do lots of teaching. And I, I, do, I do enjoy the teaching because you have the opportunity to influence uh, students. Um, there's lots of, for example, students that have become interested in epilepsy in light of the, the lectures that you can give. Um, so I do like that, and that that gets students wanting to do, for example, PhDs in in epilepsy-related projects. Um,
0: and is that the but, University of Liverpool as well?
1: Yeah, at the moment it's it's the University of Liverpool. Yeah, um, but I, I've I've been lecturing on epilepsy all over Europe and uh, and the states as well. It's just how it, how it goes over the years. But like I say, you want to be doing as much research as possible. I do anyway. Um, that this is the reason I got into the job and at this time it tends to be managing people to do the research. Ten years ago I'd be there actively doing it myself but as you build a lab you need to well first of all you need to find the money to bring people to the lab that's always a problem as you know because of the lack of funds right uh, in epilepsy related research.
0: Which is ridiculous considering how many people are affected. It's it is. like. We, yes, we need research for all so- sorts of things in human health, yes, but come on, humans, so many of us are affected. I don't really, is it, well, you're making it cool to talk about and to think about, and hopefully I'm helping to do that, but it's. I think generally, globally, it's not considered a priority because people don't talk about it so much, and the stigma, I guess. Would you agree?
1: I 100% agree. In fact, every every grant application I put in, I start off about the the, the, the size of the problem with epilepsy and the fact that it's relatively speaking so underfunded um, and this is why it's fantastic to have resources such as Epilepsy Research UK which is dedicated to epilepsy research but I, I do think that even s- some of the major research councils in particular the, the Medical Research Council the listening um, and they, they, they do want to fund. So I'm also funded by the Medical Research Council on uh, looking at patients with a brand new diagnosis of epilepsy to look right at the beginning of uh, you know you know not, not just when um, when the when it's patients with refractory epilepsy go into surgery, and we need we do we do need to understand what's happening right at the beginning. And the, the people like the MRC organisations like the MRC are, are helping. But still, when you look at epilepsy and the prevalence of epilepsy, you look at the statistics, you look at the amount of funds, and there's got to be a reason why epilepsy is relatively underfunded. you can speculate as the reasons why which i don't really want to do right now Whilst we'll do that
0: we'll do that off camera yeah
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) but if anybody's got any ideas why you think that it might be underfunded and try and i think we need one when we're thinking about that we need to look at things from the perspective of people who are unaffected as well as those who are affected um
1: that's right I i think one important factor as well Tori, is that i think a lot of people don't understand the impact of epilepsy on someone's lives right even even if for example a patient has well-controlled seizures lots of people might may think that's it that's that's the problem sorted it's not it's it's far from it there's there's lots of issues that we need to we need to look at
0: and and i said this in i think i I make a point of talking about this in every single talk that i do is that it is not just seizures. I I would rather have a seizure every day than suffer the comorbidities, specifically that being um, mental health. Every single day, I would happily—well, not happily—but I would rather have a seizure. Um, and I think that that is rarely understood. Like you say, people think, right? You're on a few pills, or or one one if you're lucky, and that is it, all over. Not at all, and. I really think that we do need to focus more on the mental health side of those affected. And like, and actually what was really interesting, um, I read a, a paper, well half a paper because I can't read them very well yet, but and it was about how there are signs that a person is going to develop epilepsy before they actually do, um, specifically as a child. Um, and I, don't, I can't remember how they um, found this out, if they would by chance were... Just taking random kids and giving them mris or whatever but they they would notice that there were actually differences before the epilepsy developed particularly that's right particularly in mental health okay um
1: I've, i've not seen i've not seen this particular paper but um this is the whole area of epilepsy research that interests me the most it's the identification of biomarkers of um Something that will happen in the future, either the development of epilepsy, the development of the comorbidities, and um, predicting the response to treatment, for example.
0: So, how do you how do you get the people involved in your research?
1: Well, it depends on on, on what level. Um, there's there's collaborative research with other other groups that can always happen. Um, we can have uh, patients volunteering to be involved in the research by uh, recruiting for uh, various studies that are available that's that's one, a, another opportunity for students who are interested there's always opportunities to join my lab for example and other other people's labs doing um research on on different levels whether you want to do a bachelor's degree a, a master's degree a phd so there's various ways that everyone can can contribute and even people um, on the street who don't have epilepsy or who are interested. We we still do brain imaging studies that need volunteers um, to compare brain scans, for example, uh, of those people to people with epilepsy. And so we're constantly advertising for, for, for those. Uh, for those. So if
0: anybody's interested, um, I mean, I don't know if this is the time or the place, um, but shut me up if not if not but um if they're interested in volunteering for your research where do they go
1: um it might be great if you put a link to our lab at, um at some point um in the lab there's, there's contact details there for, for um volunteering for epilepsy research
0: we have actually your lab on the epilepsy ah, com slash labs you are listed on there it's liverpool lab isn't it is that what, it, what you call it's, it it's
1: called liverpool brain lab
0: Oh, brain okay
1: the, the brain stands for brain research using advanced imaging in neurology Dude, that's too long <laughs> so, it, so we, 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 we reduced it to brain it is it 's not exclusively epilepsy okay um, because i 've been encouraged to uh, reach out and I have uh, an interest in for example parkinson 's disease and alzheimer 's disease, multiple sclerosis and um, brain infections but I'll always at heart be an epilepsy researcher and the lab will always be predominantly epilepsy focused.
0: Do you know what I I think a great thing about, um, and you tell me your opinion, but a great thing about um, for patients and families indeed being interested in research is that it gives you something positive to focus on, especially if you know that you have refractory epilepsy. Um, So, okay, myself for instance. I'm pretty much, as kind of been said, likely to always have refractory epilepsy, even though I've had surgery, which was like one of the best things I've ever done. Certainly not easy, but it was one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, but I'm always going to have that fear of seizures. I'm always forever going to be on antiepileptic drugs, which is not exactly, you know, uplifting but meeting you, meeting other people like yourself through Epilepsy Research UK, learning about your labs, learning about what you're doing and how exciting that is, that gives us something really cool to think about, which is wonderfully distracting from all the other stuff that might be going on in our brains. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, it's it's good that it can have such a positive effect, to be honest. Um, And virtually every epilepsy research lab that I know in the UK, that their research is either directly translational or clinical, you know, and focused to try and help patients ultimately in the end. So patients can uh, sleep well at night knowing that if we ever do get money to research epilepsy, it is to try and make a difference.
0: Do you know what I think is important and again tell me what you think is that our expectations are managed you know you can be doing some research into say a temporal lobe and how seizures originate from there especially if it's you know you have sclerosis there why does that cause seizures but if you find out the reason or reasons for that potentially which is going to be never-ending no doubt that doesn't mean you can use the c word being cure yeah um, and it's a much longer road than that.
1: What do you it, say? Absolutely, this is one of the questions I get asked as well. But is there a cure for epilepsy? Is it around the corner? Um, and the problem is, epilepsy is such a multifaceted disorder. Um, we don't fully understand how it comes around, how it manifests, um, and how we can treat it. The biggest problem we have at the moment is that we. I think anyway, is that we don't see properly how the brain generates what we think, what we call an epileptogenic networks. We see the end result, we see the seizures um, and that's what we treat. But by that, the time that starts, the, the whole process is, is, you know, we can't reverse the process of epileptogenesis at the moment. And I can't see that happening over the, over the, um, the very near future. I might be wrong, there might be people who, who uh, who think that not, knows? You know, people working in um, translational research may, may may suggest something else. So my my goal in my research is to do something slightly different and to try and um, identify biomarkers, like I say, of uh, of, of a patient's. Um, should we say career with epilepsy? To, to, That's a nice
0: word for
1: it. <laughs> oh, great. Let me talk about my career of epilepsy. Top dot. To inform. Of course, there's always going to be um, new developments in pharmacological treatments with epilepsy. There hasn't been many developments recently. Ultimately, virtually all uh, licensed therapies at the moment are, are, are treating the seizures. And there's some good therapies out there. And, and a lot of them work really well for A lot of patients Um, but to use the word cure you need to be able to reverse the process that started the seizures in the first place and at the moment we're not there.
0: And especially those with brain injury it makes me think how do you reverse that process like do you stop them from having an accident I don't don't know maybe I'm just being really I I just don't get it.
1: (laughs) Well no no it's it's, it's a good question The brain's difficult to regenerate. This is one of the issues we face also in in neurodegenerative disorders as well. But there's been some progress there as well. For example, you can use stem cells to regenerate neurons um, and that's been done increasingly effectively in other disorders. We've seen some nice results in uh, in Parkinson's disease in, in clinical trials, for example who knows whether that ever can be done in epilepsy but epilepsy is a different animal it's it's there's lots of different causes it's it can start in different areas of the brain the mechanisms can be different and so it's It's it's, just
0: yeah i think when you think about how many neurons but then how many synapses do we have then how many ion channels we have in our brain like how I think it's rarely understood that the, the combination of all those things interacting plus a million outside factors and genes and everything it's kind of complex
1: yes absolutely very complex
0: tell us about your team tell us about your team
1: okay yeah the, the team the, the team at the moment consists of um, we have a couple of postdocs one clinical fellow being Galeed, mm-hmm. Um and There's around about 10 PhD students and um, a couple of MRes students, master's degree students, Um, and everyone other than Galid is non-clinical. So they come through science programs and they want to do research using MRI scans um, to see what's going on in the various epilepsy uh, categories. So in particular, we have the focal epilepsies, uh, where the, the, the seizures, of course, starting from a particular part of the brain. But we also have the genetic generalised epilepsies as well. Oh. So we have programmes of research in both. Um, and uh, some of the students are using really advanced methods to generate pretty pictures, really pretty pictures. Uh, but it's, of course, it's, it's more than just pretty pictures in, uh, in the research. It has to mean something. Um, And one particular area that the whole lab at the moment is interested in is looking at how the brain is networked and communicates with other parts of the brain. And we're finding that if we can do some really nice MRI scanning, we can identify that, for example, in patients who don't respond to neurosurgery as well as others, those particular patients have networked uh, abnormality shall we say we can actually see that in their scans that you wouldn't that a neuroradiologist wouldn't see by just looking at their structural scans we can run all of our computational techniques uh, and get a classification of, of how well they would do after after surgery in terms of having, having a seizure or not
0: and so therefore you know it should a patient or um, their carer's family be presented with that information that could seriously impact their decision will i have surgery or not
1: absolutely and that's the goal is to give the the neurosurgeons the neurologists the whole epilepsy multidisciplinary team as much information as they can to talk with the patient to decide whether surgery is that is the right option for them um, and of course surgery is still as you know it's it's really efficacious for the, the vast majority of patients very rarely does it um Result in worse epilepsy or does the epilepsy stay the same? It usually always gets better and Mm. a lot of people think that it's underused
0: I had uncontrolled seizures for 22 years without before surgery was even considered which is ridiculous in retrospect imagine how less negatively my life may have been impacted by seizures had I had that surgery earlier and of course how much money would have been saved for the taxpayer because there'd be fewer trips to a and I'd be on less drugs um, I would possibly need to see a therapist less all these different things be more effective in the workplace or you know it's just a ripple effect so I really agree like far more people should have access to surgery but then also that more uh, people who are considering surgery should realize they won't be offered surgery by a medical professional if the potential benefits outweigh the risks. So yep. it's, not, it's not something that I don't think should be as scary as many people seem to think that it is.
1: This is why it is maybe surprisingly so important to do research in the early stages of epilepsy. One, one goal of the, the research that we're doing at the moment is to, uh, like I said earlier, identify who will become refractory in the future from the point of being diagnosed with epilepsy
0: wouldn 't that be amazing
1: and if you can identify right from the beginning who 's going to become refractory, you could potentially fast track those patients in you know the right patients um, to surgery or other invasive measures or just something that would help supplement the standard to, you know taking drugs to get those seizures under control faster because that's what it's about we need to get those seizures under control as fast as possible and one thing that we haven't cracked as well completely is is um it is knowledge about how to treat epilepsy as a bystander the stigma associated with having an epileptic seizure i mean I've, I've i've seen people in the streets having a seizure and the vast majority of people standing around don't know what to do um and i still find this uh crazy Uh, right now you know i think the vast majority of people who who, uh, are watching this will hopefully know that if someone's having a seizure in the street you effectively make them as comfortable as possible but let them have the seizure don't put your hands in the mouth i've seen somebody put the hands and you've
0: seen it oh no
1: try and grab the tongue oh you just please never do this um and then you still see people kind of walking away what's going on and it's because that's the that's the stigma associated with having a an epileptic seizure and uh, we we need to educate as many people as possible
0: and also not just those who have these tonic-clonic seizures which to which we were referring to but also those who have some sort of focal seizure where they might look drunk and i was actually well i started with the focal seizure then i i think went through to a tonic-clonic because I was found on the floor unfortunately outside a pub and yes I had had a couple of drinks but I'd had a seizure and um, it was assumed that um, I was just off my face and that's why I was unconscious on the floor and I was locked up for the night. Now if the police and people around me had known that actually you can't just assume that somebody is wasted there could be something neurological behind that I think so it's really important that we have more people um, in positions of authority educated and do you know what um, and I'm totally digressing here but I notice that we also need to educate and this is where I think that you can come in with your exciting research people with epilepsy because lots of people with epilepsy have no idea about really what epilepsy is generally, Um, partially that some people will avoid it because it's scary that makes it real, Um, some people don't have access to information um and some people are very unfortunately poorly influenced by people around them especially in certain countries not to generalize but and it almost takes away even the idea of them looking for the research that goes into epilepsy um
1: yeah I, i totally agree and this is why organizations such as epilepsy sparks and other charities um, have such a fundamental and important role in this it's a it's a resource that um, provides a bridge for patients you get the basic information about what's what's going on as well but also links to um, frontline research as well
0: yeah and ask questions right because that's what research is all about yeah. isn't it is it? questions and yeah i mean i think that the more you know or learn rather the more you realize you don't know which can be intimidating, but it's also exciting. And that's one of the things that I imagine drives you in your work, right?
1: That's science. That's science. Every question yeah. leads to two questions. More questions. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so every answer leads to two more questions. That's for example. Yeah, always does.
0: And so that just shows why we need more staff, why we need more scientists, because you can't cope with absolutely everything. But then I would also say that's where patient involvement is really important, because we can help you prioritize what's important to us. Like, for instance, is it the mental health side of things? How does not just having seizures, but taking the drugs, um, societal stigma, how does that all impact us? And then how can you possibly, and this is where Epilepsy Research UK is really good as well, how can we channel funding for research in the right way that is going to make the positive difference to patients and families both short-term and long-term?
1: Yeah, yeah there, there definitely needs to be a line of communication at the very least between patients and the researchers for example because only then will we know what's, what's important, what's the, what's the most important questions to address.
0: And what do you think are the most important questions to address
1: now? And of course, I, I can only comment on what's amenable to my research methods, which would be very different from somebody working, for example, um, in a lab. Um, so our, our goals might be very different. But from for, for my point of view, it would be to um, better understand why patients have comorbidities, uh, what's the underlying root of these and whether they can be fixed. So lots of patients do have problems with memory um and this is one of the big problems that ha- uh, that, that patients um complain of in, in in um in consultation and like you say some patients say that's more of an issue than the seizures themselves um and also you feel
0: so self-conscious it's like i'm gonna forget i'm gonna forget and then that anxiety can make you forget more and yeah. then you get on this anyway carry on sorry
1: <laughs> yeah well we don't understand why that's the case for the large we don't we don't know why that the comorbidities occur in epilepsy largely Uh, and this is why research needs to be done in that area and like i said the other area is um trying to find markers of what will happen to a patient through their lifetime with epilepsy how they'll respond to treatments these are these are the important questions i find that i can do as a non-clinician so it's been it's been clinically informative as much as it can be from a non-clinical perspective. And so what we do need is we need the scientists such as myself to work with the clinicians um, and the patients together to, to, to address the most important uh, research questions.
0: If, if we could get GPs for instance, most of whom are lovely of course, but as a whole if we can get them to be more aware of what you're doing behind the scenes and vice versa and then we can, I think as a whole we can potentially, and I'm putting this very simply, but achieve more together and be more precise in how we help
1: people. There are some uh, GPs that are taking uh, active interest in epilepsy and for example, in the Northwest, we have the Northwest Epilepsy Research Group meeting. I think, I think there's lots of areas around the country that have the same um, and we have GPs that attend, particular GPs that attend this, this meeting and um, they have a, an interest in epilepsy care and epilepsy research. And they're supported by, for example, epilepsy nurses who are just amazing. Oh
0: my Ep- god, I love them so much. Again, we need more of these guys.
1: Uh, epilepsy um, nurses and GPs who are increasing their knowledge and their training about uh, epilepsy. It's, it's happening. It's happening, but it needs to happen on a, a, a wider level. I think.
0: I would say that probably over fifty percent of people affected by epilepsy don't even know that those professions exist. Yeah, um, or that, or that we have groups of GPs who are specifically interested in epilepsy, you know. And yes, of course, the loudest voices do tend to be those who have are having poor experiences. But I do think that it's important for us all to know that we are cared for, and there are people that are concerned behind the scenes, um, and everyone like. Write it down. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'll put a bit on the website about it. But again, like you have said, and like I just can continuing to say and prove, memory's an issue. So, like for instance, I'll, I'll often go to the neurologist and forget what I've said, and forget what they've told me. And this is a real issue for care, for um, well, for everything basically. If you can't remember what your healthcare is supposed to be. Um, and I think um, often if you, uh, especially if your memory is, is quite poor, if you have learning disabilities as well, um, and if you have anxiety, all of this stuff really influences your ability to not forget, like get taking your pills, but actually remember what you've been told to do. And simple things like this aren't necessarily being addressed. So generally speaking, so I think it's really important that, you know, these messages are communicated to researchers, again, so we can figure out what we need to focus on.
1: What yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you. I couldn't, be, I couldn't say it better.
0: Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but again, this just shows why it's important for people like yourself and patients, why there has to be patient involvement because then you understand and it gets you thinking like, oh, okay, maybe we'll redirect. Although I have to say, I completely love what you're doing and I really, really value the work of your lab so much. And I think what's crucial for many of um, us patients is to recognise that research that's being done by say your lab right now is like honestly probably unlikely to impact us imminently but uh, we need to recognize that people of the future can benefit from that. Well thank you so so much for your time Simon, This is thank you for giving us a lot hope and remember everyone if you want to connect with Simon um, and his lab just go to oh what's your url? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh! <laughs> 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 well, it's, it's, it ends up being a, a long link um, um but or go through go
0: epilepsy sparks go go through our website and under labs and the link is there there's a short description and a link to the website there that's easier that,
1: that, that's right the, the alternative way is just to go to the university of liverpool website and in the search engine put uh, put in keller and then you'll, f- you'll find everything you need
0: Today, I really thank Simon Keller for sharing his passion, for giving us all hope for the treatment of epilepsy and even the prevention potentially of epileptogenesis in the future. Also, I'd like to thank him for making it simpler to explain epilepsy to other people through the sharing of beautiful brain imagery. Simon has released some really interesting papers this year actually, including one about brain aging in patients who've had surgery for mesial temporal lobe epilepsy. Check it out in the link below. Next week, I shall be talking to Professor Leigh Sander, a consultant neurologist at the National Hospital for Neurology and Neurosurgery and Head of the Department of Clinical and Experimental Epilepsy at UCL Queen Square. Follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook and we'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Do subscribe to our podcast and know that we are always trying to improve what we are doing here for the programme. I'm Tori Robinson, thanks for listening.